I get this call on Thursday. I'm sitting. Uh, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I'm on lunch break actually uh, on Thursday, and I get a phone call from the agent. She says, um, uh, "Would you like to cover Timur in Turandot on Saturday afternoon? Uh, the HD broadcast is going on." And I said, "What?" <laughs> uh, and she said, "Yeah. The the there's been some um, some uh, sickness in the cover." In the cover group, and um, they just don't have the people that can be in the theater for uh, the the uh, the HD performance. Now I'm going to be in rehearsal for Rake's Progress anyway. Would you just be on call? Great. Uh, yeah, nothing of it. Sure. I hadn't sung Timor in ten years, uh, but I'm like, yeah, I'll look at it. No problem. <laughs> I got this. And so uh, you know, I had somebody bring me a score, and I'm looking through it, and I'm like. I mean, it's no problem to sing, but, uh, you know, my <laughs> they're like just a lot of little interjections, little Puccini interjections that have to be sort of second nature for you to get them right. And it wasn't that it was making me nervous. It was just like, yeah, I think I've got it. You know, I sort of tested myself a couple times. And it was fine. No staging, no, no rehearsal, anything like that. Uh, you know, Timor is blind and he's often just sort of dragged around by the Liu. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's blind in this production. That's kind of a way that it's done often. But, uh, you know, it's just he's an old man and he's kind of led around. He's feeble. And so that staging is easy. You can just have a, a, a colleague drag you, literally drag you around the stage until you find your spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and I had a full costume fitting. And this this costume, and they you know, they bring me in there and it's just kind of, uh, you know, initially just like a robe and then... And then another robe, and then this whole um, armor, <laughs> and then yet another overcoat, and then a heavy long fur. <laughs> Standing there, I could feel myself getting shorter. This weighed no less than seventy-five pounds. There was no less than seventy-five pounds in costume on me, and I thought this is this is old school opera right here. This is um, old school Zeffirelli magic. Uh, I could just see the old, the, the old style um, makeup. You know, just you know, a singer looks completely different than they actually do. That kind of um, movie magic, uh, uh, over the top makeup. I'm so distracted right now because outside my window is a construction crew. There's a huge pit uh, in the building next door to mine. Uh, I would say it's from the from street level. It's a three story down pit. And, uh, you know, it's all cemented out and they've got, they've clearly got the, the pilings in, um, but the scaffolding is here today. <laughs> the scaffolding is going up because they're putting up some monstrosity here on the Upper West Side. And so, uh, these guys are literally right out my window and it, it has, this hole has, has been dormant for years, uh, just because of, uh, COVID delays. And, uh, it seemed to be about three days after I moved in that <laughs> it started getting exciting in there. And so there's a lot of plank moving and a lot of steel rebar getting pounded into each other. (laughs) 
Oh, it's that. I mean, this is New York. This is New York. If it's not, if it's not under scaffolding, it's about to be under scaffolding. If it's not about to be under scaffolding, it just came out of scaffolding. There's no, <laughs> there's no building that's just kind of existing. It's in one of those three forms, and so the building next to me is going scaffolding, or the not building next to me. They're going to put this thing up. I was told two stories a week. Uh, once they start putting the actual floors on the building. Right now, it just seems to be... Oh, it's not a mess. Like, it seems organized, and the guys are working pretty hard. But, um, yeah, I don't know. How long does it take to put a building up? I, I'm so fascinated by this idea that um, this kind of investment pays out. I don't I don't know when it pays out. You know, you'd have to sell all the units. I, you know, you can sort of, like, gauge how much money you're going to make, but how do you control the cost on putting up a freaking building you know some 40 50 story luxury condo building even if you had retail space in the bottom floor even if you had renters you know paying you forever you know you got to sell most of these condos once you sell them how are i don't know i, I want to see the numbers on it somebody needs to show me the numbers i like real estate as an investment but i don't know about putting up a building that takes big balls <laughs> who cares <laughs> So anyway, so I'm so I'm uh, on call for this cover, and I'm not nervous, but I sort of don't want them to call me. <laughs> like on one hand, I definitely want to go on and do the show, but on the on the other hand, I'm thinking, how solid is this? Uh, this is an HD performance. Are you going to be glued to the maestro to nail your entrance, and how good is that going to be for the for the HD broadcast? And so uh, you know, I was kind of semi relieved that they didn't call, and then. The ego in me can't help but to be completely disappointed that I wasn't <laughs> jumping in to save the day. Uh, but, you know, I've since, uh, I you know, if they need me again, I've learned it enough. <laughs> but, you know, that, probably everybody's fine by then. I think what's happening, you know, the rule here is if, you, if you've if you got a sniffle, you can't come into work. Uh, they, if you have any kind of bad symptom or wake up with a symptom, you can't come in. Uh, that's just the rule here. And the rules are working because they've yet to cancel the performance. And, and performances were getting canceled all over the world. And the Met has not canceled one. And I think a lot of it has to do with the protocol here. And, and one of the major protocols is if you're not feeling good, don't come in. Don't wait until you're positive before you stop coming in. You know, Because you can feel sick. You can be sick before you show positive. And uh, I think that's working. Uh, and but at the same time, the season is changing, and I think people are dealing with allergies and hay fever, and there's pollen in the air and all that. And so, you wake up and you're in a panic because you think you're getting sick, but really it's just usual seasonal allergy stuff. And and so I think a lot of people are just calling out because they're not sure. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of the story, you know. For <sighs> I think it's just the way of it now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's going to be any other way. I mean, are we are we going to wear masks in rehearsal forever? We might. It seems to be the only place in New York where you have to wear a mask. Uh, I have yet to experience any other place in New York, you know, that that's requiring me to to mask up. It's, it doesn't mean I don't or wouldn't. It just hasn't happened. Uh, you know, but at the but at the theater, we're all masked all the time, and and I don't. I'm not sure what's going to change that. I'm not sure. I really. I, I'm. I'm. I am. You know, as long as it kind of exists, then we'll probably do this. And, I, you know, people aren't complaining, although it is a bitch to try and sing in these things. And, and it's been that way for a while. And, you know, you get used to it. But especially in something like what I'm doing now, this Rake's Progress, where you're, uh, it's super wordy. And you're trying to sell the text. And you're really trying to be understood because we're in English here. And, and when you're uh, enunciating like this, you're just, 
it takes more air. It takes more um, precision, and and um, I think that gets lost in the mask. Unfortunately, uh, uh, it's just the way of it, right? No complaints. We're working. We're here, and we're working, and the shows are up, and that's fantastic. And the guys are building next door, which is really cool. I'm really happy about that. We'll see how far they get while I'm while I'm uh, here for a couple weeks. I will say uh, it's very clear now that uh, this opera is short enough and people are prepared enough that we have way more time than we need to put it up. And so rehearsals have been nice and relaxed and we're going through it methodically and slowly and making sure we're getting it right and having discussions. And um, that's a nice change. You know, the last time I was here, the show went up in six days and you show, you're just trying to figure out which which way to, the door pushes open or pulls. And, and uh, you know, with this, we're actually getting the time, which is good because a lot of it is very tricky, but um, it's it's clear that you put a bunch of professionals in the room. It's it's gonna go uh it's gonna go pretty good. And we have a new Bob of the Turk who only had a week with the score, and she's killing it. Uh, so that's nice to see too. Uh, it's nice to see. It's nice when people get their debuts, and you get to stand next to them when they're having their debut. I really enjoy that, especially here. You know, this place is like um, it's it's a victory lap for a lot of people. I, I don't I don't think it should be a victory lap, but you you definitely feel like you've accomplished something that can't be removed when you when you sing here and. Uh, it's fun to watch people during this process if it's their first time, if it's their first time stepping on that stage or singing with that orchestra or walking into the theater or whatever it is. Uh, you can. It's fun to watch somebody's uh, palpable excitement, um, even if they're trying to be cool about it. You can tell their eyes are getting wide, and and I've seen I've seen singers cry when they walk on that stage. I've seen it. I've witnessed it, and it's it's touching. Uh, you know, one part of you wants to roll your eyes, but then the, another part of you remembers what that was, and and uh, it's an it's an important it's an important thing for, you know, most people don't get to work here, and um, you know, I I appreciate anybody who appreciates it, because uh, it's certainly not lost on me, and I I'm uh, I feel privileged every time I get to work in that building, and that doesn't mean that everything just goes swimmingly and wonderfully, and you love every day, you know, of course, everybody's entitled to. Um, uh, uh, to normal life, it's not like just everything here is just so perfect. But there, there, this place is special, and and um, uh, that that has yet to leave me, which I like. Um, it makes me want to stay. And maybe when the place doesn't feel special anymore, and you think you've overstayed your welcome, but I don't. I don't feel that. I really, I'm. Uh, it's a privilege still. I hope it always stays that way. I think it will be. Blah 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 blah. There were some uh, weight droppers at the gym today. I love these guys. I really like I this is the Upper West Side YMCA. We're not <laughs> this is not some muscle head gym. This is like this is like the NPR of gyms. Uh you know it's old. The machines are good, but there's plenty of elderly people in there and it and and very um you know just people maintaining fitness. There's not necessarily you know some bodybuilders on a mission in there. And um uh, you know, there, there were just a couple of people that need feel the need to let you know how hard what they're doing is. <laughs> With the grunting and the self-cheering and, um, and then ultimately weight dropping. And nothing makes me think, uh, I'm such an asshole, but nothing makes me think uh, that you shouldn't be there any more than weight dropping. If you are dropping the weight, it's literally too heavy for you. It's just too heavy for you. If you need to crash that thing on the floor, I hate you. I basically hate you. 
and I judge and I sneer. They, they feel me. <laughs> I make sure the weight droppers feel me. I want them to know that what they're doing is unacceptable. I'm not going to say it out loud. I just want them to know. <laughs> you have bothered me, dear sir. Because <laughs> it's not the biggest room. And, and the crashing of this weight is so jarring. It'll make you jump. It actually doesn't feel safe the way it sort of makes you... Um, snap in that direction you know if you're doing something you could easily hurt yourself or or drop something yourself if you need to crash that weight man it is too heavy for you just back it up back you're not there yet just back it up i i appreciate that you need to feel like you're doing something but uh you know i don't (laughs) it's always somebody young not realizing that if you did that when you were 45 you would hurt yourself bad At this point in my in my workout life, it's all about um, um, trying to not get hurt. I feel like that's it. I'm sort of maintaining current injuries at their level and hoping that they don't uh, get any worse and then uh, doing everything I can to not have new ones. And, and it's inevitable. You know, as soon as something starts feeling better, something else starts to hurt. And I, you know, if you were herking and jerking and crashing weights all over the place, you'd just be broken. You'd be a broken human. You know, it's not, it's a, the gym is a dangerous place. <laughs> There's one old guy in there. He he's a he's an African American gentleman. He is got to be in his 90s. I mean, if he's not in his mid 90s, he's in his late 90s. This guy is uh, uh, unbelievable. The most inspiring human being in there to me. He shuffles. He doesn't walk more than a shuffle. Uh, his back is 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 curved. He's clearly hunched over a little bit. Not not terribly, but noticeably. Uh, his gym clothes are super um, uh, loose. You know, he looks super, he's real thin. But you can see his arms, and his arms are cut up. And this guy is just barely lifting those weights, but he's doing it, and he's doing his sets. And it's not heavy weight, but he's doing it, and he's working. And uh, I I always try and, and catch this guy's uh, eye at some point and just sort of give him a nod. Uh, I, I, I want to show him some respect. I don't want to bother the poor guy. Uh, he clearly has been doing this a long time and doesn't need me to tell him how awesome it is. But um, I do try to, to show him uh, just, a, just a head nod of respect uh, because he's truly inspiring. And I have no intention of living forever. I really don't. Uh, 80 to 90 doesn't, doesn't look like the good years. But um, uh, if you could be in this man's shape, and still lifting those weights and still getting up at the crack of dawn because I go so early. Uh, to still be doing that at his age is truly inspiring. Truly inspiring. He looks like the kind of guy who's all all his friends are dead. <laughs> you know, you ever notice that with a relative? They died so old that um, you know, there's almost nobody at the funeral. <laughs> all their friends are gone. They were They're basically the, the one who won. They won. Uh, this guy won for sure. And I'm, and I'm, I'm certain it's in no small part to his obvious life of, of, uh, fitness. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what he did 50 years ago, but he's, he's in the right shape. Cause I'm certain he's in his nineties and, and maybe I'll have the nerve to ask him someday, but, um, uh, true inspiration and we get out of his way. Everybody gets out of his way, you know, whatever he needs to grab. And he, he grabs the 12s and the 15s. I mean, he's not it, it, he's not grabbing the 5s. There's plenty of people in there grabbing the 5-pound weights. He's grabbing the 12s and the 15s, and he's curling them. And, and they don't go all the way up, but they go. <laughs> they go enough. 
uh, and you see him sweating and you think this guy could drop dead right here. Uh, you know, I, I suppose we all could, but you know, at his age, it's pretty, it's up there, you know, like <laughs> it could happen. Uh, I don't want to witness it, but, um, you know, if this guy, this guy dies, uh, keeping himself fit, uh, I don't know. I guess he won life. It's one of those things. Nice to have that inspiration. I need it. I need the inspiration. It's something that that's harder and harder to find, and so when I when I see a little bit of inspiration, I have to I have to glom onto it and and explore it and and love it and and analyze it because um uh it's hard it's hard to maintain uh, goals it's hard to it's hard to find your motivation and my motivation is not always noble and I wish it were more um, so when I see a guy like this living super positive and and taking care of himself at that age I I uh, I want it I want it. This is Monday, May 9th, episode, who knows, of the CVH podcast, and you're awesome for listening. Uh, I love you for listening, in fact. You knew that. Uh, everybody, have a great week, and we will see you on Thursday. All right, thanks. Bye. Early one morning, the sun was shining. I was laying in bed. Wondering if she changed it all, if her hair was still red. Her folks, they said our lives together sure was gonna be rough. They never did like mama's homemade dress. Papa's banquet wasn't big enough. And I was standing on the side of the road, rain falling on my shoes. Heading out for the East Coast, Lord knows I paid some dues. Getting through, tangled up in blue. She was married when we first met her, soon to be divorced. I helped her out of a jam, I guess, but I used a little too much force. We drove that car as far as we could, abandoned it out west. Split up on the docks at night, both agreeing it was best. And she turned around to look at me as I was walking away. I heard her say over my shoulder, For a spell, but I never did like it all that much. And one day the axe just fell, so I drifted down to New Orleans. Or I lucky with a being employed, working for a while on a fishing boat right outside of Delacroix. But all the while I was alone, the past was close behind. I seen a lot of women, but she never escaped my mind. And I just grew. place and I stopped in for a beer I just kept looking at the side of her face and the spotlight so clear and later on when the crowd thinned out I was just about to do the same she was standing there in back of my chair I said Timmy don't I know your name I muttered something underneath my breath she studied the lines of my face I must admit felt a little uneasy when she bent down to tie the laces of my shoes Blue
you paid I thought you'd never say hello She said you look like a silent type And she opened up a book of poems And handed it to me Written by an Italian poet From the 13th century Revolution in the air Then he started into dealing with slaves And something inside of him died She had to sell everything she owned And froze up inside And when it finally the bottom fell out I became withdrawn The only thing I knew how 